Delaware's Rick Jensen on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL. You heard the story about John Marino. He bought a bank foreclosure house online. Very common thing. For his daughter and grandchild. So uh, he closes on the thing and uh, he finds out there's people living there. Well, what do you do when people, they're squatters. Whether or not they owned the house at one time or not doesn't matter because the bank foreclosed on it. And he bought this before coronavirus, October 2019. So um, I think that's when it was. No, no, I actually might have been in October this year. Let's get him on the phone right now at uh, 5 to 9 1017. I may have gotten that part wrong there. Uh, John, thanks for being on. When, which October did you buy this? Was it just this year in 2020? Yeah. Okay. It was yeah, it was this year, Rick, uh, 2020. But the bank okay. closed on them in uh, in 2020 as well, back in March. Uh, but they had defaulted originally on their mortgage in 2017. Okay, so that's what that's what it was. They had defaulted in 2017, and it has nothing to do with the virus, nothing to do with COVID or coronavirus, anything like that. Now the problem is that John can't do anything except pay the mortgage on it until the court gives an order to the sheriff that allows the sheriff to evict these people who are living there illegally. And I want to say this, that you know, we are paying the salaries of the Superior Court, and according to John, they are refusing to open to do their job, even virtually. In fact, John, give us an overview of what happened when you talked to the folks at Superior Court and said, listen, I need a court date in order to keep from going broke Right. So, so I initially contacted them. I filed for writ of possession uh, early November, uh, November 10th. Uh, I called the courts in December, um, explained to them what the situation was. They were very kind, very compassionate, and very understanding, and quite frankly, very frustrated by the fact of what I'm going through. They know it's wrong. Um, and my, their response to me was, uh, Mr. Marino, we're sorry, but right now we're not having any in-person hearings. So I said, well, when are we expecting to have in-person hearings? Sometime in January. I called again in January. I spoke to the manager there, uh, the case manager. Uh, and she says, well, Mr. Marino, we're sorry, unfortunately, but you know, we're, not, uh, we're holding off. We're not having any in-person hearings until at least February. So through my discussion with her, I said, you know, this is this is just wrong. Uh, I don't understand how you guys aren't having any in-person hearings when the rest of the state is functioning. We're 10 months into this virus. You know, businesses have uh, have accommodated um, this situation. The state of Delaware, obviously, motor vehicles open. The legislators are doing Zoom. I said, why can't we hold a Zoom hearing? And her response was, unfortunately, you know, the, the other party might not have the ability uh, to do that. I said, okay, well, if they can't do that, then why can't we just call them into the courthouse, put them in the room by themselves in front of a laptop, have the judge in another room in front of a laptop, and hear the case? Yeah, yeah. And it, it, this, this is, you know, again, this is crazy, Rick. And as you indicated before, you know, we, taxpayers pay for services in our government. Uh, and and I'm like, this is the, the fact that they're they're refusing to open um, the, the court to in-person hearings uh, is is absolutely ridiculous. Look, kids are suffering through virtual education, virtual school right now. Surely the courts could suffer through virtual court hearings and court cases, especially with people who are prepared to have a case before them. But are, are, what are you hearing? Are you hearing that it's the courts making this decision or the governor? Who's who's making this decision? 
So, so Rick, I've, I've made several phone calls, and I've spoken to several people throughout the state. I spoke to the sheriff's office. They're up. They're running. They're, they're processing evictions as they come in, uh, obviously through landlord-tenant evictions, and this isn't a landlord-tenant case. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I called Superior Court. I also called the governor's office, and I spoke to, to the director of uh, constituent relations at the governor's office, explained to him my situation. Again, he acknowledged what I'm going through is not right. Uh, but in the same tone, said that there's nothing we can do about it. It's up to the superior. It's up to superior court to determine when they want to have in-person hearings. And my question to him was, um, can you tell me when COVID hit back in March, and the governor declared the state of emergency and shut down the state? He had the authority to shut down superior court at that point, and he says that's correct. I said, so you're telling me he had the authority to shut it down, but he doesn't have the authority to have them reopen and have in-person hearings? And he said, unfortunately, no, it's up to the administrator of the courts. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, I'm glad you got Representative Hensley on the phone right now, too, because uh, he can give us some insight on, on this. Representative uh, Hensley's in the, uh, the 9th District, which is the eastern, I'm trying to visualize where you are. It's like the MOT area, Middletown, <laughs> Odessa, on the, on the eastern side of the state. Is that right, Kevin? Uh, yes, Rick, that's correct. Yes, sir. And and also understand this, uh, in addition to being in the state house as a state representative, Kevin's a real estate broker and that's has correct. owned his own business here, huh? Yeah, that's correct, Rick. Yes, sir. Yeah, and has you've had your own business uh, for nearly, you know, 20 years or so. You've you've been on the Apoquinamink School Board. You have some understanding of how to work with other people in a, uh, in, a in an annoying political environment. <laughs> you don't have to comment on that. I've I've, I've seen these things uh, run, and and I'm wondering since you have this experience uh, in real estate as John does or for many many years, you're a broker, but you're also a state rep. Um, first of all, I'd like to get your your thoughts on how a situation like this doesn't just affect this one guy, Marino. How a situation like this with the courts in general affect all of us in Delaware. And and me, I can't help but keep in mind the fact that we're paying these folks salaries. They're supposed to be helping us achieve justice in this state, where, as John said, you have other state agencies and, and services that are open, at least virtually. So, so, Kevin, you know, how can a situation like this, when the court isn't open in this way, really affect everybody in the state in some ancillary ways. Well, and you hit the nail right on the head, Rick. Um, this problem or this challenge, um, unfortunately, goes well beyond Mr. Marino's uh, circumstances. And I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, this, this is affecting thousands of Delawareans. Um, I was first made aware of the challenge with the courts several months back, um, and I actually, uh, most specifically in JP court. So this is not just a superior court. Uh, it, 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 it goes across um, more, than, more than just that. And so I actually was on a, um, so what's happening in essence uh, in the real estate world for many folks that own properties as landlords is they've got tenants in them. The tenants are not paying. Um, a lot of these tenants, some, again, unfortunately have lost their jobs or hours have gotten cut back and, we certainly understand that and are sympathetic to those circumstances. However, on the flip side, there are other circumstances where these tenants 
haven't missed a day at work. And they just know that um, because of the current environment, they don't have to pay and they're not going to be dragged into court because the landlords aren't effectively able to uh, to 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 uh, to move that process along. And so I did have a conversation with the governor about the situation um, with the JP courts. And he had indicated originally that, well, he understood and was sympathetic to it, but that there were programs available for tenants, which there are, by the way, uh, that they could apply for to uh, afford them assistance for the purposes of paying the rent. And I said, well, that's, that's, that's great. I'm aware of those. However, many tenants are just choosing not to even go through the motions of applying for that because, again, it's an initiative they have to take. And instead, they're choosing to just sit there knowing that uh, property owners are not able to, um, to do anything in the legal system for the purposes of um, uh, expediting the process uh, of an eviction. And as you indicated, Rick, I'm somewhat baffled by the fact that in this case, and in Mr. Marino's case, courts are choosing not to uh, hear these cases. However, uh, as Mr. Marino indicated, I mean, there, there are plenty of, plenty of other areas of government that are functioning as best we can in the, in the virtual environment, whether it be Board of Adjustments having hearings, um, the, uh, the Alcohol Control Board is, is having hearings. A constituent of mine just recently had one. I mean, my gosh, we're operating the legislature via Zoom. So I don't quite, uh, as Mr. Marino indicated, grasp why we couldn't do that. I asked that to the governor. He indicated that he would certainly take a look at it, get back to me. Uh, I've not gotten follow-up as of yet as it, as it relates to that. But it's a fundamental challenge and something that I frankly think that could be resolved relatively quickly. Um, and it's just everybody just kind of sitting on their hands except for the mortgage companies of folks like, you know, that hold loans for people like Mr. Marino and thousands of other Delawareans that expect to get paid every month, but there's no revenue coming to, uh, coming to the, 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 the landlord, if you will. I'll get to that in a second. When did you talk to the governor, Kevin? Uh, about three weeks ago. Three, week, three weeks ago. And do you have an expectation for when he's going to get back to you? Uh, I don't. I wish I did, Rick. I mean, I followed up with his office um, uh, twice since then in hopes of getting some clarification. And the first time I followed up, I got information on the rental assistance program that he and I talked about. And I politely and respectfully suggested that really wasn't what I was looking for. I was hopeful that we would have some type of a game plan in a, a way to get these courts back open um, and, you know, never even got a, a response from, from that particular inquiry. So at this point, um, I continue to reach out and ask the same question and hopeful that at some point in time I will, I'll get an answer and the answer will be a reasonable one. Um, I'm going to ask you a question about legislation, knowing that uh, you're a Republican and Democrats run the state. So maybe you couldn't get anything but a bunch of pushback if you did this, but I'm wondering, just wondering, could you write up or draft a bill uh, that would state that unless the courts open in some virtual method, judges and court staff do not need to be paid because they're not doing their job? Mm-hmm. Uh, could something like that be written? Absolutely, Rick. Um, along those same lines, there has been legislation introduced by my colleague, Representative Collins, that you may be aware of, that in essence um, 
from a broader perspective, indicates that um, that the governor is required uh, to consult with the General Assembly um, uh, as he's putting together these executive orders. And as, as many may know, and I'm sure probably you've talked about this on, on previous shows, uh, one of the challenges for a lot of us in the General Assembly has been the fact that, um, you know, these executive orders have, have been made um, without any consultation at all with, uh, with myself or any of my colleagues in the General Assembly. And that's well, been a well, let me interrupt right there. So, so, yes, you know, if, for example, in the state of Michigan, Republicans who actually have a voice in that state uh, success, <laughs> successfully sued the governor in the state Supreme Court and ruled that her 30-day extensions over and over and over again of emergency powers were unconstitutional. They violated the state constitution. Here in Delaware, I mean, you're not going to get that because the governor's a Democrat. Uh, you and the House are run by Democrats. The Senate's run by Democrats. You're not going to get that. So, um, you know, obviously there's politics in, involved in this. Whether or not he's violating the constitution of the state of Delaware doesn't matter if uh, the ruling party says we don't care. So with that in mind, I'm wondering, you know, there are constituents of Democrats in this state, too, who are suffering in this situation because the courts are not open for them. Do you have any sense that you could get some sort of bipartisan co-sponsorship from both, uh, both houses, the Senate and the House of Representatives, for a piece of legislation that would state simply that unless the courts start doing business, as other agencies have, virtually or within some safe guidelines in person, that they can suspend being paid. Because like so many people here in Delaware, they're not working because the government says they can't, so they're not making income. Well, if they're not working, and I don't know what other, what other duties they might have that might constitute uh, worthy of being paid, but is, do you think there's even possible to get some bipartisan support on this thing? Well, that's a great question, Rick. I do think that there perhaps could be um, some the uh, the possibility, I guess, of some bipartisan uh, as it relates to um, you know, I think we have a better shot at the um, at, at, at an approach similar to uh, Representative Collins, only because again, it gets a little tricky because I I do know that some of the folks within the courts uh, are performing a work function now, albeit it may not be the function that we're used to with the in-person hearings and the like, but I would, re- I would respectfully suggest that, you know, folks on the administrative side of the House are probably uh, performing some tasks. I think it's something certainly that could be explored, but um, I-, I have to suggest, and I've been doing this a while from a, from a political perspective, that um, and across the board, uh, no, no compensation at all for court workers uh, unless – the courts are physically opened back up, probably would receive a considerable amount of pushback for the reason I just mentioned and perhaps yeah. others that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. But I think it's, it's, worth, it's worth having a discussion, that's for sure. So what do you think can be done, really, uh, to help these thousands of Delawareans who actually need to get before the folks in the courts? Well, I think what has to happen, and as Mr. Marino said, there's a bit of uh, confusion, I would respectfully suggest, on behalf of who has the authority to make this happen? Um, you know, the, the governor's office has, has indicated to him that it's the courts. The courts, uh, and by the way, I should tell you that um, 
that when Mr. Reno contacted me about his particular situation, I reached out to the head of Superior Court. She was very nice in a prompt response. Unfortunately, her response defaulted back to the governor's executive order in, in, her, in, in their inability to do what we're talking should be done and needs to be done in reopening. So I think first and foremost, uh, there needs to be um, a push uh, on behalf of uh, anybody listening, quite frankly, to the governor's office suggesting, and, and there's, there's nothing more powerful than a personal story. I mean, if somebody can say, listen, you know, here's a predicament that I'm in, and it's costing me thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, I may lose my property. Uh, I would respectfully suggest as a real estate broker that it's a property right it's property rights issue. I mean, a, pro- a property owner should have the ability to be able to, uh, within reason, that's why we have the courts, yeah. uh, checks and balances, to at least have their day in court. Whether their day in court is physically sitting in the courtroom or if it's sitting in front of a computer screen, but I think that pressure to, the, uh, or should I say, um, uh, uh, reaching out to the governor's office. No, I think pressure is a good way. It's a good verb, okay, you know, because okay, well, um, that's but, what you want to do. Um, so, so uh, let me let me follow up on this. For those of you listening, if you or anyone you know is having a problem like this, or you just need access to the court for anything, I mean, you can go to um, was it governor Delaware. .gov, governor.delaware.gov, and you can send an email. Just click contact there, and you can send them an email, uh, which is likely easily ignored. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. I have no idea uh, what they'll do. But you can also call uh, the governor's office, and I would suggest calling the uh, the Dover office at uh, 302-744-4101. You call the governor's office at 302-744-4101 and say, I want to speak to the governor. Now, you will not be able to speak to the governor. Uh, but then you say, okay, let me talk to constituent services. I mean, would that be right, uh, Kevin? Uh, talk to someone at yeah. constituent services at the governor's office? Agreed, yes, agreed. And, and I, I say just burn the phone lines. If you, if you have any problem with it right now, seriously, burn the phone lines. 302-744-4101. Call the governor and say, you need to open the courts. Yeah, and if I may suggest, Rick, because as I've talked with some of my colleagues and expressed frustration and gotten their feedback, uh, there's some folks that are worried that what we're talking about doing is is literally, you know, uh, removing people from their homes, um, you know, in the in the in the in, in the in the in the middle of winter, in the middle of a pandemic, and that's not the point at all. Uh, for those that have not had experience in the, in the court systems as it relates to an eviction or what have you. The sole purpose of the hearing is for the judge to hear the evidence on both sides and, and make a determination. So my point is, if there is truly a tenant that has fallen upon challenging times in the pandemic, has lost their employment or whatever the case might be, none of us, I don't believe any of us, hopefully listening, no, I understand. You're talking about you're talking about people who are abusing this. I appreciate that. Uh, representative Kevin Hensley, uh, the ninth representative district, and John Marino. You guys keep in touch with me. I want to keep in touch with you two as to what's going on with this and opening the courts. Before we wrap this up, I want to get to Dan at five to nine one one seven. Dan, say hi to Kevin and to John. Hi, Mr. Marino and Rep. Uh, Hensley. How are you? Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. How are you, sir? Good, good. I just, uh, it's nice to speak to you, Rick. I just wanted to call in as, as somebody going through this as well. And, and uh, you know, 
seeing this and then coming up with some kind of solutions to the situation for uh, Mr. Marino and, and all of us other investors out there that are dealing with the situation right now. Do you have any ideas, Dan? I do. Um, I, the governor called his office many times. We've got no response. I think the only one who I've ever gotten a response from about this is, is Representative Hensley. He's on top of it, so uh, appreciate that. Um, but at this point, there are there are grants out there. But the problem with the grants, and I think uh, Mr. Marino mentioned it, is the tenants are involved and they are not willing to do anything. They're willing to. They're, they're playing games. They're doing what they have to do to not pay rent. They're not filling out any of the paperwork which they need to fill out. So at this point, with the grant programs, if the governor at least comes in and says, you know, we have this kind of PPP money, we're giving it to small businesses, they need to treat investors like small businesses because essentially by collecting rent is how we pay our bills, how yeah. we pay our taxes, how we pay our insurance. And there's a certain point, I own a decent amount of properties in this, in this state, and I believe Mr. Marino, he's, he's one of the better investors I know. Um, when you're losing a thousand dollars on one property, it might be okay. But when you're losing a thousand dollars on twenty properties, there's only so long we could do that. And what's going to happen is the community needs to understand this. What's going to happen is the house is going to become distressed. There's no way we can put work into these houses. There's no way we can afford to pay taxes on these houses. There's no way we can afford to pay insurance on these houses. And we're going to bring down the neighborhoods that people want to live in. So they need to start. The thing they could do is if there are grants have the grants go direct to the owners, the investors, to cover the rent. And you know what? If we're going to take a hit in our pockets and the courts aren't going to open, they're still going to get paid, well, then the state, if they're not allowing people to pay rent, well, they can start covering our payments, at least the rent payments for the tenants direct to the investors until they deem necessary to open up the courts. I understand. Okay, i got to wrap this thing up here. Kevin and Dan, I'd like to have you guys on one day next week to talk about that. It's a, it's a separate issue and just as important as John's. John's is, he bought a house. It was at auction because they foreclosed on it. People won't get out. It has nothing to do with COVID or a tenant. There's no rental agreement. It's just that the court is, is not open. And as for what Dan's talking about, and Kevin, you talked about this too, is something completely different. Uh, landlords can get money from DSHA to pay the rent of people who cannot pay their rent because they're not allowed to work. However, you got people who are tenants who just say, I don't care. Uh, and just, and just they run away from the landlords. They don't return phone calls. They're not they're not there when they knock on the door and things like that. And I know people who own uh, investment properties like you do, Dan. They fill out the paperwork. They do everything they possibly can for the tenant and just say, "Okay, I need this, this, and this from you on this on this form. Sign it." And they go like, "I'm not here. I'm not here." And it's so frustrating for them. I appreciate what you guys are doing, and I often bring up the woman who called in who's in her 60s, she's retired, she lives in Ellesmere, she's got like five little properties, and this is part of, of her retirement program, and she's dying. She, it's, this is actually killing her because she has tenants, and they're, and they're not Section 8, they're, they're just people, um, and some of them have just refused to, to cooperate or even help her to help them as well. So I'd like to do that with you guys one day as well, all right? Sure. All right, Dan, uh, email me, rick at wdel.com. Give me your contact information, rick at wdel.com. Kevin Hensley, uh, thank you. Keep in touch. I want to talk with you guys about this next week again and see if you get any traction uh, with the governor or the courts. John, keep in touch. Uh, I wish you well, my friend. 
Rick, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate your efforts in uh, bringing this uh, to light. I, I really appreciate it, and you know, hopefully, no something will come up. But thank you. All right, we have to get the news. Uh, we'll be back after the news. Keep it here. Hang on. More with Rick Jensen is just ahead on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL. 